From the great state of Ohio, my name is Morgan Shaw, and today is Wednesday, April 16th, and this is the Next Gen Ohio Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Next Gen Ohio Podcast. Uh, I just want to briefly comment at the top of this show on both the primary election and how we're going to be moving forward from this point on. So unfortunately, we had a lot of our next generation of leadership candidates from Joe Schiavone, Aaron Godfrey, and Noah Spinner, uh, those last two being uh, former guests on the podcast. Uh, They both all lost lost their primary elections uh, last week, and I want to commend all of them on running fantastic campaigns based on substance, based on issues, based on energizing young voters, which is absolutely what we should be focused on as a Democratic Party, and it is something that I will continue to express support for on this podcast and in all of the work that I do. Now, uh, from this point on, I believe that we need to support the candidates that did win because they could do so much better than any of the Republicans that did uh, that, that, w- that will be facing our Democratic opponents in the fall. So yes, we do need to vote for people like Richard Cordray, even if they have a horrible voting record and a horrible advocacy record on issues like guns. I, it's hard for me to stomach that, but at the same time, I understand that there's so much good that can come from a Cordray governorship uh, in comparison to having Mike DeWine in the governor's mansion. So we have to support Richard Cordray, and we have to support all the candidates that won uh, down ballot as well. Now, for the future of this podcast, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to highlight some of those people that have succeeded, those younger elected officials who are already in office that won their primaries last week, that uh, won their elections, and who are doing great adv- advocacy work. So this week, we have Mallory Watts of Delaware, Ohio. Mallory is a fantastic advocate for people with disabilities. Uh, and she comes from a red part of our state, which is absolutely, from my point of view, uh, the best kind of liberal in a way, because you can understand and have that previous track record of uh, talking to conservatives and people who disagree with you and honing your your opinions and how you can approach the, the political game. So uh, without further ado, I want to bring you our interview with Mallory Watts, and I hope that this can be an inspirational next couple of weeks of podcasts that will uh, drown out any of the possible negativity that we all may feel about the losses that we occurred last week. And so without further ado, Mallory Watts. And joining us this week on the Next Gen Ohio podcast is Mallory Watts. Mallory, thank you for joining us on the podcast this week. Thank you for having me. So you are currently from Delaware, Ohio. Can you give a kind of a description of what that part of our state is like? Is it, uh, is it very conservative? Is it very liberal? Delaware County is kind of like an expert of Ohio. Really conservative, historically. Deep red. But, however, there's a part of, there's Powell that's part of Delaware County, and it's kind of, kind of turned a little more, a little more pink. And we saw that in the 2016 election where it wasn't as conservative as it used to be. Still, still pretty conservative. But we're really, I think we have a chance to kind of get it, turn it a little more purple. That's great. Can you talk about, for just a moment, about how you kind of got into politics? Because for a lot of high school students, that's not something that they uh, initially are attracted to, either from the complexities of it or the simple fact that it looks like a bunch of 
horrible old white guys yelling at each other on television. Is there a particular reason why you decided to get kind of more actively involved? I grew up in my family. We we didn't really talk about politics. I, I didn't know what party affiliation my parents had until probably two years ago. It's just something that you didn't talk about. Uh, and I remember my freshman year of high school, one of my friends had invited me to go to some meeting about, it was called Youth in Government. And I was like, oh, this is seems okay, like seems kind of cool. And they're like, yeah, so in April, we get to go to the state house for three days. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I think I just, the more I learned about politics and issues in society, the more interested I became in it. And I just, I dove right in. So after you went to the state house and things, was did you start looking at some of the things that are happening in the 2016 election? And how did that kind of, because for, for a lot of people, including myself, that was kind of the trigger point for, I'm going to be more involved than just being on social media. Is that, would you say that's the same for you? When Hillary Clinton announced her candidacy for the presidency, I, I was really stoked. I didn't know a whole lot about politics, but it kind of made me want to know more. So I started just doing a ton of research on candidates, and I it had come down to I would support her. And so I was a huge supporter of her. And I think about a year into into the 2016 election, I started to do some volunteer work on her campaign. And eventually I became a fellow for, it was the Ohio Together campaign. And it was for Hillary Clinton and other Democrats down the ticket in Ohio. And so that was, I think I'd learned more about, you know, just the political atmosphere and how campaign works in like four months and I had my entire life. Uh, and then after doing that, I just became a lot more involved with the Delaware County Democratic Party. Why did you choose Hillary Clinton? What was it about her? Was it uh, her specific policies? Was it her as a human being? Why did you support her in the 2016 election? I think it was more because we agreed on a lot of policies and I I thought I thought you know maybe if since Bernie's already in the Senate and I'd read something saying like it'd be strategically better to have him in the Senate and her as president but what it really came down to was out of every single candidate in the 2016 election including Republicans Hillary Clinton was the only one that had a on her issues page a plan for Americans with disabilities. And that's an issue that's really important to me because it's in my, I grew up uh, with that as being a significant part of my life. And so with her plan, I was just helping them, those with disabilities, you know, get uh, diagnosed and having that health care and other care provided and easier access to that and not leaving them behind. If you, feel, if you feel comfortable talking about it, would you mind describing some of the ways that that personally affects you? I have, I have an uncle that I'm really close with that has disabilities. Uh, my, my grandma was a special ed teacher. I, every summer I have a special Olympics. Uh, at school I help out. We call it the transition room and it's just, uh, it's the room where those with disabilities are in, uh, usually lower functioning. And for some reason I just have always really loved that and, you know, just making sure that we are inclusive as a society is really important to me. Absolutely. That, that's very admirable. And I want to I want to ask you how uh receptive or we'll say excited the your fellow classmates were because you said you're from a, a pretty red part of our state. 
how excited were they after President Trump's election, 2016? And then how did you react to that? How did others uh, react to that? Did you kind of learn? For me, at least, there were a lot of people that I didn't know were liberals in my high school. I come from a red part of the state as well. And I learned that after the election because they were so shocked that this this awful human being could be our president. Did you have kind of a, a similar experience to that? Or what was the reaction in your high school? So we had the day of the election, we had our high school had, we had like a mock election. And I was really surprised at the end of the day, they announced the results. And for just like our high school's mock election, Hillary Clinton had won by a landslide. And I was really surprised by that because I figured one, a lot of kids would vote for Trump just as a joke. But then it's also, I figured a lot of my classmates were conservative because their parents are probably conservative. And so that was really awesome. You know, I thought maybe that would tell us the results of that night. Sadly, it didn't go like that. But after after Trump was elected, school the next day was really weird. Um, I remember at the beginning of the year, we were, I was having a conversation with a friend and they're like, can you guys imagine Mallory like on November 9th? If Trump won, they're like, I couldn't even imagine what she'd be like. And I was like, oh, yeah, me neither. And I was like, well, I, I guess we have to because it's never going to happen. And then it was weird. Everybody was really quiet. And in our AP Gov class, our teacher just threw these paper in the air. And he was like, well, I guess forget everything I've ever taught you because none of us really thought this would happen. And there was just I remember one one student, he, he's a friend of mine. He had tweeted. If you think you're having a bad Wednesday, think about how Mallory Watts feels. And a lot of people didn't know how to take that. Um, but you know, I just replied with something along the lines of like, don't think about me think about all these minorities and, and how that's going to affect them. But it was a weird, it was a weird day at school. But, um, I think as the months have passed and the years have passed, I think that a lot of us have united together and we've decided, you know, we can't sit back anymore and just stay silent or just tweet about how we feel. We actually have to put our words into actions. Exactly. That is that is a hundred percent correct. And I want to ask you some about uh, a couple of questions about some of those actions that you, in particular, have taken. So you are a member of the Delaware County Young Democrats, and I do want to congratulate you because you are now an elected official in the state of Ohio. Uh, you just Thank won you. your 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 election uh, with thirty nine votes, I believe, is the total vote count for yep. uh, for you. You're un running unopposed uh, for the central yes. committee of the Delaware. Uh, County Democratic Party. Um, I can say that uh, you beat me in the vote count. I was a writing candidate for the same position back home, and that I only I got three votes for that. So congratulations on your electoral victory. But I want to ask <laughs> yeah. you what your you've been particularly doing in the party and things to help uh, with the blue wave here in 2018, and then what you think. How have you tried to energize some of uh, your fellow high school students and young people like us? to become more involved? I chose to get really involved with the Delaware County Young Democrats because I noticed that primarily the members of it were, because we have uh, Ohio Wesland, which is in Delaware, a lot of the members of the Young Democrats were just Ohio Wesland students, and so they were there, but then they would leave during the summer and whatnot, and some of them don't vote in Delaware County. They vote back home, and so I... I realized that it was really important that we need to get high schoolers involved because in a few years they're going to be able to vote or most of them can vote now and so I wanted I wanted to get my classmates that were really interested in politics and they would always talk to me about something at school they'd come up to me and they'd be like Mallory did you see what just happened and 
And I was like, yeah, I, you know, we can have this conversation a million times, but if we're not doing anything about it, nothing, nothing's going to happen. And so that's what we've really done, especially in the last year. Um, we went from having all of the executive board members to being college students or college grads to this year. I think everybody is a high school student except for one. So that's really awesome to get more high schoolers involved. Uh, we've grown as a chapter. Uh, a lot of younger kids getting involved. And it's just really inspiring to see that kids that can't even vote yet are just getting their, their feet a little dirty. Exactly. I want to congratulate you on that point. And then I want to ask you, after the March for Our Lives in particular, or around that time, did you see an uptick in people wanting to get involved to do the marches, to speak out about that specific issue of gun control? And then how did you play a part in that? We had our school held a, a walkout. And at first, I someone had asked me how many students I expected to participate in the walkout. And I, I really was not sure at all because a lot of students were kind of scared to do it. And, you know, I just didn't know how exactly a lot of my classmates felt. And so once we actually had it, there were a ton of kids that I didn't think that would participate were, were walking out and using their voices. And then it eventually had prompted a class to do a project on gun control and gun violence. And about 40 to 50 students that are sophomores in high school wrote letters to Senator Sherrod Brown and Senator Rob Portman to urge them to take action and create common sense gun reform. So that was really inspiring because these kids are, you know, they still have about two years until they can vote. Uh, and a lot of kids that are sophomores in high school really aren't interested in politics. They're kind of focusing on other things. And so that was really inspiring to do that. And then in Delaware County or Delaware City, there was a there's a resolution passed by the city council to ask the Delaware County Fairgrounds to ban, uh, or not to ban, to perform background checks on all gun sales at the flea market. And unfortunately, the board for the, it's the agriculture board for the fairgrounds hasn't really done anything about that, but it was really cool to see a lot of younger kids asking city council to take action to, to perform background checks on gun sales. Those are both great points and great advocacy to uh, come out of the marches because a big question that a lot of uh, people that I talked to and otherwise was that after the marches, what is the plan from here? What are we actually going to be marching for? What's what's the plan? And that's, that's a, a fantastic step, especially for high school students. And do you think that there was an equal opposition within the school? Or was there a lot of, a lot of kids that um, may have felt intimidated by the overwhelming amount of possibly conservative viewpoints from your classmates about walking out? Yeah, I think that there were, I think at first before the walkout, they were like, oh, well, maybe I'll get in trouble for doing this and whatever. And there were some, some students that had said that were really vocal about their opposition to the walkout. But a lot of the things that I saw was, it was like, walk up instead of walk out, you know, don't walk out, maybe just talk to more people and That'll prevent gun violence. And the the way that my classmates responded, they're really eloquent and they they were just like, Well, we can do both. Uh, you know, why can't you why can't you have some gom- common sense gun gun control and walk up and, and be inclusive? 
with with everybody in school and and just life in general you know you don't have to pick one or the other so that was really cool to see them respond in such a a mature way and just showing that you don't have to just pick one option over the other exactly they're not mutually exclusive in any way shape or form and i want to ask you about the ohio youth senate because i honestly before i asked you to be on the podcast did not even know what the ohio youth senate was so for the listeners who don't can you explain what that is and then what you played how you played a role in that yeah the the ymca has a program and it's called youth in government and it's just through the ohio ymca and it's what really got me involved in politics and it it kind of showed me that I wanted to have a career in it, public service. So it is, it's a conference, it's a three-day conference. You go to Columbus and it's a mock state government. There's all three branches that you can participate in. So in my four, it's for high schoolers and they have a middle school program, but I did it during high school. My four years, I've done legislative every single year. And so you can, you write a bill and when you get down to a conference, you present that bill and there's you first have to present in committee and you know go through the whole process and I just really fell in love with it I think mainly because at first we are we're actually in the senate chambers or the house chambers if you're in the house and that was really cool uh you know as a freshman in high school and I was like wow I'm sitting in a senator's desk this is really awesome and so but once I got more involved and more vocal about uh how I felt on these issues and how we could go about you know creating new laws and such I just got more involved, and my last year, I was like, I'm going to run for president of the Senate, and so I I campaigned, and I think that a lot of the reason that I had won was because I was really vocal in the Senate chambers about, you know, how others felt and how this would affect other people, Um, so this year, I got to serve as president of the Senate, and so that was really awesome, and you know, just making sure that all voices are heard, getting everyone to participate. What kind of legislation did you try to pass when you were in the Ohio Youth Senate? Like, what what kind of bills were coming up on the table? Were they things that could actually be passed in a state legislature? So, my freshman year, I had brought a bill to youth and government, and it was about regulating soda sales. And so, specifically restaurants, uh, there was like a, we put a tax on soda. And it was kind of inspired by the the New York bill. And then the money that was collected from the taxes would go into education about just like health and how soda and sugar and other things affect you. Um, But some other bills I've seen were one was to require high schoolers to take an environmental science class before they graduate. And so prior to the conference, I was like, oh, this bill is going to pass easy because, you know, it's really not that hard. But when we got there, it was a really heated debate. It was split down the middle. It was tied. And we had had people saying that we were fighting for a segregation in schools of conservatives and liberals. It it was, we had to take a recess. It got way too heated. And that was interesting. And then I've seen a lot of bills we see are free driver's ed, uh, later school start times, mainly things that affect high schoolers. And there was one that I really liked last year, and it was abolishing private prisons in Ohio. Uh, and I've never really thought about that before. And so I was a junior in high school when they presented it. So I I did a ton of research on it, and I was just like, 
I was amazed by the, or I wasn't really amazed, I was kind of disappointed by how how we have kind of destroyed the, the justice system with private prisons, and especially in Ohio, and how we just keep funding them, and it's it was not good. So I was really glad that that was brought to my attention because of youth in government. Yeah, and the one of the guests I had on previously, uh, he mentioned that there are actually now private high schools that are similar to the prisons in that they are first uh, young people who have been incarcerated in, in juvie, and then they have to go to the high school, and that private high school is then run by a corporation. And then so monetizing human beings is something that we we should absolutely avoid. I want to uh, turn now to kind of the stuff that you're doing currently and what uh, you'll be doing uh, going from the future and some of your thoughts on some different political issues. So you uh, worked for John Russell's campaign for the Ohio 12th Congressional District, and he did not end up winning, but can you kind of describe why you chose him out of the seven candidates to work for? And how do you think we end up flipping that district and making sure that Pat Tiberi is not uh, uh, being able to choose who is the one who succeeds him? Yeah, I had known John for, I think I, I met John in 2016. He, um, he was running for the 68th district for the Ohio House of Representatives. And I think once you meet John, it's just, it's impossible not to like him. Um, he, he seems to have a conversation or can have a conversation with just about anybody. And he, he's just a really honest guy. And I think one thing that I really liked about him was he wanted a, wanted to fight for a higher minimum wage. Really huge supporter of unions. He, he's a small business owner. He owns a farm and a stump grinding business. And he, he promised to not take any donations from corporations for his campaign. That really showed, you know, that he wasn't willing, he wasn't going to be bought and he wasn't going to let his vote be bought. And he was going to have the interest of his constituents in mind. And he just, he had a lot of good plans. And it was just really inspiring his story that he had. Because, you know, he's, he's seen the impact that, you know, the opioid epidemic has had on people and the outsourcing of jobs and such. So I think he, it was just, it would have been really cool to send someone like John uh, to Congress. But, you know, he didn't win the primary. And so now my full support is Danny O'Connor. I like Danny. He, uh, he's a good guy. And I think that, you know, we could win this. We could flip the 12. That, that would be, be very impressive if you could do so. And I want to ask you about another candidate that's running in your district. And I don't know if you're working for her or not. But uh, Louise Valentine has been one of the most prominent candidates running for the state Senate. And I wanted to ask you if you would either personally met her and uh, what you thought about her campaign and people like her, because uh, women have started to take a central public figure role, I guess you could describe it as, in Ohio politics, in that 10 out of the 16 congressional candidates that we have are, are women. And she is has been kind of like one of the most vocal state Senate candidates, if you just wanted to uh, talk about both. I guess, women in Ohio politics, and then that candidate in particular. It's really inspiring to see a lot of women, I think, especially after the 2016 election, getting up and, and running for offices, just showing that it is important that we are represented in our government. But um, as to Louise Valentine, I haven't had the opportunity to meet her yet, 
but her campaign manager, I know him fairly well, it's Spencer Deary. He he goes to Ohio State, and I'm just, so far I'm really impressed as to how well this campaign has been run, even just for a state senate position. Just the, ever, since the beginning, it's just been really prominent and and well-organized, so props to them on that. There's not a weekend that I don't see an event on my Facebook timeline, but Luis is, she is awesome. She's running against uh, Andrew Brenner. He's currently our state rep, and it's been a little bit of a, the, he's, he's kind of known to play a little dirty, kind of says some remarks that aren't really the greatest, but she's just really respectable, and she, you know, she wants to fight for gun reform and just protecting Ohioans and 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 women, and so I think that she she could have a good chance to, if not beat him, come really close and make a lot of progress and steps forward. Uh, so I think that she so far the campaign is really well run. Uh, I think they're over the summer they're really looking to amp up the efforts. So I'm excited to see what that looks like. What is so awful about Andrew Brenner in particular? Because he has a reputation, and I want you to kind of uh, elaborate a bit more on why we need to support Luis more than anybody else. Well, for starters, Andy is the, he he's a chair of the education committee. If not now, he was a former chair for the Ohio House of Representatives. And he is a big supporter of ECOT. And we've seen, you know, the scandals with ECOT and the, the money that they've put into campaigns. And so that's really unfortunate, especially someone who's a big public school supporter. But then also just there were the comments that have been made by Andy Brenner and just doesn't really have a respect for constituents and how how he should be representing them. It's more for, uh, you know, the... Republicans and whoever is funding his campaigns and such. And so, you know, I think that she she's really one that wants to be accessible to voters and just wants to listen and know what they want and, you know, do what's best for the constituents in the 67th district. Or the 19th, right. I'm sorry, the 19th Senate district. I, I want to talk about uh, the last week's primary as well because – we were lucky enough to both win our uncontested races, but we both worked on campaigns that uh, ended up uh, losing our primary. I was an intern on Joe Schiavone's campaign for governor, and I wanted to get your thoughts on both the outcome of the primary and what you think of Richard Cordray moving forward. I was I was a big supporter of Joe. I really liked Joe for governor. He, I was hopeful that he would win, but I thought that maybe some people would be like, oh, he's a little young. Uh, you know, but I thought, you know, maybe we could overlook that because there's really nothing wrong with that. Uh, and I think we've seen that in the past year at the, and especially your podcast about young people getting involved in politics. And Joe, just our stances on a lot of issues matched up. And he came, he actually come to a Young Democrats event in Delaware, folk, and he was the only candidate for governor that had come to do that. And so that we really liked him for that, but I was a little disappointed to see that he didn't win. And he, uh, his platform was, I really supported it. But Richard Cordray, I like him. 
he, uh, I'm not as excited about him as I was about Joe Schiavone, but I, you know, we're ready to put our full, full efforts behind him. Uh, hopefully we can see a little bit of a change in stance on gun control or gun reform, but, you know, we can't just rule out everything just because of a stance on one issue, but I hope that he does listen to voters and see that it is really important to, to voters right now and maybe rethink, you know, what he would do with that. That's a that's an excellent way to look at it, and that's kind of the same conclusion I came to, with having not being able to overlook all the other good things he can do, especially when you have somebody like Mike DeWine, uh, who Donald Trump would love to see as governor of Ohio, and yeah. for that for that reason alone, uh, I think you can you can vote for Cordray just knowing that it would uh, piss off Donald Trump. I wanna I wanna ask you one final question, and it relates to both young people and politic in politics, and then the tweet that you have pinned to the top of your uh, Twitter page. So I love that that series of photos you've got, um, making fun of people who say that uh, young people can't be involved in politics, that we all have freedom of speech rights, and that you should get out there and get involved. And you were featured in a New, in a New York Times article saying that, look at this young Ohio supporter of Hillary Clinton, what would you say to the young people of Ohio if you could speak to them directly now about voting and getting involved in politics? Don't be afraid. I um, I remember when I first told my parents, I said, Mom, Dad, I'm going to be a fellow on Hillary Clinton's campaign. And, you know, they, they kind of thought I was joking at first. They're like, there's no way. You can't even vote yet, whatever. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm serious. I am. And there were, I think there's some, I hate to say it, but there's, there's a lot of, uh, we kind of try to keep kids out of it. Again, onto the the March for Our Lives, there was, on our school walkout day, the Gazette had written an article about it. And looking at, like, the Facebook comments of it, there was like, oh, I bet these kids don't even know what they're talking about. And, and you know, I bet they couldn't even list the first ten amendments and things like that. And it was really disappointing to see a lot of adults in our community and parents that were just trying to discourage kids from taking a stance and using their voice because the reality is a lot of kids know what they're talking about and they're really interested and they want to know more but I think the only problem is they don't know how. I know a lot of kids who they come up and they ask me you know who's running for this and what can I do for them and how do I get involved and I'm like it you know all you have to do is just ask and especially we've tried to do that with the Delaware County Democratic Party to become more accessible and show all the opportunities that you can volunteer because, trust me, we can use it. But a lot of kids, they do want to get involved. And this year we've had, we have we have clubs at our school, and we just started the Political Science Club. And we had had both parties come in and talk about opportunities as to how you can get involved. And the involvement of young people in the political parties just skyrocketed after that. I think that a lot of kids, you know, they want to do things and they want to make phone calls. They want to knock doors for candidates, but they just don't really know how, or they might be kind of scared to, they don't really know what exactly that means. And so just like outreaching to them. And then as to voting, um, I was a poll worker or an election, an election official this past uh, election. And just seeing that, there were a lot of kids that didn't know that you could vote when you're 17 and if you're going to be 18 by August or November, because we have a special election, that you can vote in the primary. And so just like showing and educating those 
saying, hey, you can vote in this primary, and so this is how you're going to have to do it. You have to register, and just making sure that we're kind of getting at the vote, just making sure that young people know how to, how to get involved and where to vote and things like that. All right, Mallory, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today, and best of luck at OWU, and for thank you for all the work that you continue to do. All right, thank you. All right, everyone, I want to thank you so much for listening in this week, and I want to thank you for voting for all of the candidates that we have put forward so far on this podcast and for all the work that a lot of these listeners and people across the state have done to advance the cause of having more young people in politics. And I hope to be able to help shape that conversation in the coming weeks as we bring more great people like Mallory Watts onto the podcast. And I want to thank Mallory again for being on the show and for all the work that she's done. And I'm so honored to have had the opportunity to present somebody that I believe will have a senator or representative as a title in their future. So again, thank you all so much for tuning in and I'll talk to you next week.